Welcome to the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast. My name is Chris Torres, your host. Usually on this podcast, um, we go in depth with uh, with young farmers about their operations, and uh, we have nice conversations with them. Um, this week's episode is a little bit different. Um, given the current COVID-19 crisis, I thought it was a good idea uh, call up a couple of farmers and uh, and ask them how they're dealing with this current situation, things they've had to do to adjust their, their businesses as a result, and uh, and the struggles that they're going through, and, and also some of the some of the things that they've benefited from as a result of COVID-19. So we contacted Carl Schlegel of Schlegel Farms in Waldorf, Maryland, and Amanda Hand of Makono Farm in Huntingtown, Maryland. So enjoy the conversations. First up is Carl Schlegel. He and his family uh, raised between 115 and 140 acres of vegetables, 300 acres of hay and other grains, 40 acres of pasture, and forty and four acres of strawberries. And we talked to him about how he's adjusting his business right now to COVID-19 and having to deal with some of the restrictions um, put on the farm by the state. So, Carl, set the scene for me. Um, what are you doing on the farm today? Well, we... Uh... We started off the day. I had to make a delivery up to the uh, the terminal market up in Jessup to uh, Hungry Harvest. Then I uh, came down the road, and we are in the process of uh, doing a pop-up market for strawberries. We picked strawberries this morning. Um, we're not quite picking enough to open up for pick-your-own full-time, but we have more than we can eat as a family. So uh, we're selling strawberries here on the farm already on the 20th of April, which is crazy enough as it is. In addition to that, we're in the process of making um, fruit and vegetable bags for our neighbors up in Anne Arundel County. The uh, Department of Aging is purchasing bags to give out to um, its uh, senior citizen clientele that uh, are either immunocompromised or are having fi- trouble finding access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Wow! So you're doing a lot of different things. Tell me, tell me, Carl. Oh, yeah. What would <laughs> I'm going to put this in quotes? What would a normal farm year look like for you? It's a heck of a question, isn't it? To put a point on it. Um, I honestly, we joke about this. I don't know the last time or can ever remember the last time we've worked this hard in March and April. Not to say that in a normal year we're working half days and, and drinking hot toddies in the afternoon because that's definitely not the case. But where we would normally be just focused on working land, working in the greenhouse, getting plants out, getting plants in the ground, um, we are more sales-focused and sales-driven right now than we normally are. I mean, farmers markets that normally would not be open this time of year, our customers are, are reaching out to us and we're doing drops and facilitating fresh fruits and vegetables to them at the market, as well as here on the farm. Um, the market that my wife and I run on Saturdays is just, it's, it's going wide open right now. It, it, it's as busy as we've ever been. Why do you think that is? For most people, the first time in their lives, they actually care where their food comes from. It means more to them right now than it ever has. And hopefully it's not, it won't be, ever will. Hopefully, you know, a lot of this translates for the rest of their life. And um, we, see a, uh, we see a shift. As much as farmers were pivoting, hopefully our, our consumers pivot as well. But all of a sudden people are, they don't want to go to the grocery store. They want the personal connection. They want a safer connection. They want less handling of their fruits and vegetables, or they want to cut out all the middlemen, and they want to go right to the source. And it's it's beautiful. We're enjoying it, 
we're making a lot of new connections with a lot of new faces. Um, and we hopefully can maintain those relationships in the coming months and years. Yeah, I was going to ask you, that was going to be my next question. I mean, are, are you meeting a lot of new people as a result? Absolutely. And um, making some really interesting relationships as we move along. I mean, here at the, uh, here on the farm, we're doing everything from our normal walk-in trade to pre-orders to curbside. And it's interesting because we're seeing all levels of customers. The customer that rolls down the window says hi, hands you cash money out the door, um, and just is, is thankful for the convenience of not having to get out of their vehicle to the person that pulls up in front of the sales barn, holds a piece of paper with their name on it through the windshield so you can see who it is, will go around, they'll pop their trunk, you'll set their order in the trunk, either a check will be there or a credit card. They want no contact whatsoever. They're, they're taking this to the nth degree or they're, they're legitimately concerned, scared, terrified. Now, as I understand, your your store is still open one day a week, nine to one on Saturday. Am I correct? That's that's correct. My wife and I have, um, since I came home to the farm about six or seven years ago, we started running a modified CSA slash buyers club slash email private farmers market out of um, out of our sales barn, and we do Saturdays nine to one year round. Um, during the winter months, we kind of relax it and do an every other program um, and normally don't really kick back off until mid-April, May when strawberries kick in. And then it's pretty much, you know, full gamut all the way through till Christmas time. We saw the writing on the wall. We saw what was going on. And in March, we decided we're going to open early, extend our hours, and we're going to go nine to one every Saturday from here on. Um, and it's been a big deal. And then, and of course, now we're picking strawberries. We're doing little pop-ups and probably in the next seven to 10 days, we'll, we'll open up and be open daily for strawberries. I mean, how, how are you going to do a, are you, are you going to do a pick your own? I mean, how are you going to handle that? Especially with all this so social this is, distancing. This will be the 20th year that we've done strawberries and pick your own strawberries here on the farm. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of what we're known for here in Southern Maryland, as well as the DC metro area being 25 minutes south of the district of Columbia. Um, our, our customers are asking that, us that question. Um, they want to know what's the plan. What are we doing? Um, MDA sent us an email saying, what are you guys planning on doing so we can help roll out procedures for this? And as a family, we've given it a lot of thought. I think we're going to probably break the field down um, a little bit more than it already is. We currently have, we've got four acres of strawberries on plastic. The rows are about 300 feet long. I think we're going to go ahead and break those rows in half and have people pick in on either end of the field, maybe even break them down into thirds. Uh, We have the benefit being on plastic. Everything's five foot on center. So you've got a wonderful social distance mechanism already in place. And um, I think we're just going to have to really lean on our customers and lean on social media and ask people to be patient, to take their time and enjoy themselves. Um, but at the same time, where we would normally invite customers to come and have a picnic lunch and hang out, I think we're going to have to be singular focused on strawberry picking. Come up, come pick your strawberries, and it's time to leave. Um, this is not the year to, to hang out on the farm. Tell me about the pop-up. So, basically, we picked strawberries this morning. Um, we picked way more than I know we can eat. Unfortunately, we don't have a wholesale customer for them right now because uh, most of them went into restaurants. So we've got customers. We're here in a population center. I just blow out on Facebook and say, hey, we're going to be open one to four with strawberries. This is the price. Come on by. And um, 
we've got about 11,000 followers on Facebook right now. And hopefully there's enough people that are close enough that want to take a ride that'll come by and pick up the strawberries for us today. Yeah, I saw that when I was, when I was, uh, I went on your Facebook site and, and I saw that. I mean, you're doing this, you're doing this in areas like Chevrolet and, and other, other uh, pretty populated areas. For people who aren't familiar with this area, with this particular region of Maryland, um, you're in the Washington, D.C. metro area right outside the city. These are highly populated areas. So this is a great idea. Kudos to you for actually doing this. I mean, how, how, what's the reception been like? Oh, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. So we currently, we've got two farmer's markets that we do all winter long um, that are steadily going on. Unfortunately, one is over in northern Virginia. And in northern Virginia, you can't run farmer's markets right now. Well, the whole state of Virginia. I guess farmer's markets are illegal, according to their government, which is unfortunate because they're a great conduit for people to fresh local produce. So we've had to go to a completely online order system for Northern Virginia for our Northern Virginia market. And um, that has received well, we're doing, it's doing well, we're doing well with that. Um, It's a huge learning curve. I'm not a webmaster. It it was hard learning how to do this. Um, The research wasn't there. The extension help wasn't there. There's help that's come out after the fact, but um, I pretty much learned everything before that help came. And then Chevrolet Market, um, we normally just do egg drops there once a month um, during the winter months until that market starts up in June. And the reception and the, from the customers up there and the uh, people that live in the community are, can you come more often? Can you come more often? And, you know, we're able to. We've got the time. So we're doing orders up there, and, and that's gotten a lot busier as well. How about the rest of the season? I mean, what's the rest of the season going to look like for you? Um, what sorts of things are you planning, um, you know, to, to deal with this? Because it doesn't look like I know that there's some there there's some hope that we're going to reopen a little bit here and there. You know, the governments are saying that we're going to reopen a little bit here and there, maybe by June first. You know, but it, it, from all indications, it's not going to be a normal. It, we're not until we get a vaccine. Until there's a vaccine for this, things aren't going to go back to 100 percent normal anytime soon. Doesn't seem like to me. So as a farmer and the type of things that you do with your CSA and other things that you do, um, talk to me a little bit about you know some of the plans. You must be thinking about what you're going to be doing um, for the rest of the summertime here. It's a big question. It's something we've been talking about as a family for, for quite a while now. You know, Being a multi-generational farm and having multiple stakeholders in the business, um, you know, we, we all own, several, own different aspects of the business that we're responsible for. Um, planting schedule, um, getting, getting going from seed to greenhouse, from greenhouse to transplant has kind of been my beast of burden over the years and, and making sure that we stay on a tight planting schedule so that, you know, we run and start picking watermelons hopefully from the 4th of July till the 1st of October. Um, and planning for that because we're a diversified unit too. Uh, we're not just retail, we are wholesale. We've grown for giant food for 25 years. We sell to a couple brokerage houses that predominantly go after smaller grocery stores in the restaurant trade. So dad's been having a lot of candid conversations with our buyers and finding out, you know, what do you think? What do, should we expect? Where do you think we need to go? And certain categories, um, we're dialing back a little bit. Um, jalapeno peppers. We raise a lot of jalapenos and most of those go into the restaurants and they're saying, you know, you probably wouldn't be out of line dialing back maybe a third of what you expect. You know, we expect the restaurants to pick up at some point, but we don't think it's going to pick up that much. Um, so we have to make those plans. Um, whereas like we've talked to Giant and our buyer for Food Lion, they're saying we want it 
We're going to lean on you guys heavier than we ever have before. Okay, sounds great. So certain categories we're shifting around a little bit. Certain um, things we know we can pick up some in retail, but we don't think we can pick it all up in retail. You know, you just look at the news and you see what the guys down in Florida that were predominantly wholesale minded and what they're having to do with, with, with crop destruction and, and so they can move on to other categories. And it's a shame. Unfortunately, the American public doesn't understand what that looks like and, you know, what all goes involved with that and how it's, you can't just flip on a dime and say, okay, I raised a thousand acres of green beans and now I'm going to start trying to peddle them all on the side of the road. It just doesn't work that way. We shift from strawberries over to Cooney Cooney pigs and we called up Amanda Hand of Makono Farm in Huntingtown, Maryland, and we talked to her about some of the changes that she and her husband have had to make to the business as a result of the current COVID-19 crisis. Okay, so Amanda Hand, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. So before I ask you um, questions pertaining to COVID-19, can you go ahead and, and just give me sort of a, a, b- a brief background on your farm operation? Uh, yeah, we are located in Southern Maryland in Calvert County. Uh, my farm name is uh, Makono Farm. We specialize in the Cooney Cooney pig, which is a heritage lard breed from the island of New Zealand. Um, and they were imported in the 90s. And we started raising them a couple years ago because they're just great um, on pasture very minimal maintenance, easy to take care of, and excellent pork um, for charcuterie and and other specialty cuts. So that's what we're doing down here in Southern Maryland. And how many head do you actually raise? Um, Well, we vary um, just depending on the time of year and and who's being processed and who's being born. Um, But right now I think we've got about 75 somewhere in that range with another 10 litters due before mid-June. So just tell me, so now do you run the farm with, I mean, are you married then? Yeah, my husband uh, uh, spent 21 and a half years in the Navy and retired, and that's kind of why we settled down here in Maryland. He got a job in D.C., and um, we bought a farm. So um, he goes to work uh, in D.C. He's an engineer um, for the... Sorry, he's an engineer for the Navy and um, as a contractor, and I'm the one that's running the farm. How's COVID-19 affecting you in the business? Um, actually, um, I mean, it, we've definitely had to make some changes, uh, but they've been really awesome changes. I can't keep uh, pork in stock. Like, as soon as I bring it home, it's gone in two days. Um so it, it's challenging to, as it's a good problem to have, but it's a challenging one as well because I'm using pigs uh, to, to to harvest uh, for the demand that you know I had scheduled out to use throughout the summer um, to just meet demand at farmers markets and stuff. And I'm probably not going to be able to do f- summer farmers markets now. Right? Where are you actually slaughtering the animals? Um, we use Fakir's Finest in Bealton, Virginia. So I drive about two and a half hours one way to have them processed there. Um, we also use Meat Crafters uh, for our charcuterie. And um, for the first time, I used uh, Smuckers in Pennsylvania uh, for a custom order where the client wanted um, the entire animal back. Uh, they do scald and scrape. So 
my client was able to get the head back and tail and trotters and everything. Whereas I can't, I can't get those things back at the, at the other facility. When we look at, um, when we look at the overall beef industry and I mean, larger farms, you know, places right. like JBS and places like Cargill, um, some of your larger places where, where some of your larger farms are going to get their, their, um, their animals slaughtered have really have either shut down, have reduced hours, and it's really created some some issues for for large farms. Of course, you know you're be, being a small being smaller. You're not even, you're not gonna you're not gonna hit those large um, slaughterhouses anyway. So you're gonna go to the, some of the local ones. But have you found that um, ha, have you have you found it to be challenging at all to actually get into these um, slaughter facilities, especially with this with the situation the way it is? Oh yeah, I mean, even before COVID nineteen, um, the smaller slaughter facilities, you know, usually schedule you out a year in advance. So I already, thankfully, had dates on the books um, for every month this year with Fakirs, and then uh, Smuckers just. Ha- I called and I was like, "Listen, I really need to get these two butchered," and they actually had had a cancellation. That's the only reason why I was able to get two in up there. So it is challenging because the slaughter facilities were already busy prior to the pandemic, and now they're slammed with local farms um, trying to meet demand of, of the community looking for meat. You say you had to make some changes. Can you go into more specifics in terms of the specific changes you had to make? Well, um, probably the biggest change uh, we've made is offering delivery Um, we went from on-farm pickup to delivery and my sales skyrocketed just because of that. Um, you know, people not wanting to leave their house because of quarantine, um, or just having, you know, no contact at all with people, uh, doing delivery has made a huge difference. Um, another change that we made, um, I'm part of the local farmers market association and I spearheaded a, um, a a coalition of farmers to put our farmers market completely online. Um, so a website's being built because we've been functioning from a Google form and spreadsheets, uh, the last two or three weeks, but it has gone crazy. Our first week, we had 200 and uh, I believe 50 some orders uh, across all of our farms in the county, um, which is amazing. We would never see that many people come through a farmer's market and order that much. Yet, because we were offering delivery or a drive through pickup, they began to order from farmers. And, um, and when we you sell say, out every week. When, when you say county, you, are you referring specifically to Prince George's County? Uh, Calvert County. Calvert County. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. I'll be at Prince George's County Farm hopefully soon. We just put an offer on a place over there yesterday. Okay, got uh, it. But, um, yeah, Calvert County, it, we've taken the um, farmer's market online. Wow, and how many, how many farmers are participating in, the, in this online version? Right now we have 11 um, we expect to grow to about 30 as soon as we have our website up. We've got local food marketplace out in Oregon building a farmer's market site for us where customers can go online and order from all of the farms in one location and check out all at once. And, um, we'll be able to aggregate their orders for pickup and delivery. 
you know, obviously, I mean, to get everybody together so quickly to, to do something like this would be a challenge. So how did this, how did this work out? How were you able to do that? Um, I, I don't know. I was just inspired. And when I get something in my brain, I just, I just go for it and make it work. Like I emailed everybody in the association. I was like, I think we really need to do this. Let's just give it a go. Let's throw it up on a Google form and on our Facebook page and see what happens. And honestly, I really thought we'd only get about 30 people ordering because, you know, farmer's market season usually at the beginning is pretty slow. And we were a month ahead of, you know, ahead of our markets actually opening. And within 36 hours, we had 200 and some orders and, and our, my beef producer sold out. I had sold out. It was just, it was crazy. Our meat producers have sold out every week. Is this an ongoing thing where anybody can can order at any time, or are you still just doing the farmer's market once a week, the online farmer's market? So we're just doing it once a week. Our form opens on Thursdays and closes Saturday nights for the next Friday pickup and delivery. Okay, got it. Um, because we're working off spreadsheets right now, um, we can't really do much more than that. But as soon as that um, website is up and running, we'll probably add another date. And we'll definitely continue to do an online farmer's market because it's something that obviously our community, um, I think, will utilize even post-pandemic. I think it's something that they've actually been wanting, and, and it just took COVID-19 to, to make it happen. So we're really excited about it, and it also allows us to sell our products year-round uh, since our markets are seasonal. Uh, back quickly to that delivery. Um, so, are you doing that delivery with your husband? Have you had to um, ha- have you had to actually hire anybody to do that for you? So, p- personally, for farm, my husband and I will deliver. We also have a teenage son that helps out every once in a while. But when it comes to the farmers market, I've actually had to hire some uh, people, um, friends, friends of farmers. Uh, we've hired out a lot of the deliveries because honestly you know I want to get back to the farm and do what I do best um which is farming and allow and and it's allowed us to to pass on some um, monetary gains um, to people that needed a job in the community um that was something so, that, that was, you know, what one of my colleagues with Farm Progress does a does a podcast and one of his podcasts we were talking about the fact that um, you know, with all the with all the various um, issues right now with uh, they they figured out H2A um, but with all the various, you know, to just difficulties with, you know, getting workers and all that sort of thing and the fact there's a lot of unemployed people working on a farm might actually be a good job for a lot of people coming this summer. Right, right. Exactly. Um, especially if demand keeps up like it is, which I hope, I hope this really creates, um, some really good habits in our communities, uh, to buy local and to, um, search out, um, meats and produces, uh, from, from their local farmers. I'm really hoping that it creates a good habit in our community. You're in a place where, where you're very close to a big population center right outside of Washington, D.C. How far are you from, from the D.C. And, and Baltimore areas? So we're about 40 minutes to the White House, um, and it's super crazy. I, I We are very fortunate. I love that, um, you know, if times get tough, I can go into D.C. and sell my stuff. But I, I while we are featured every once in a while, let's meet on the avenue, 
um, in Alexandria. We've only got a couple clients that buy regularly from us in um, D.C. We really have all of a sudden, especially with this pandemic, it's gone completely local um, to Southern Maryland, which is exciting. So, you know, in your business, and, and obviously, I mean, who knows when this is going to be over? I know a lot of people are eager to get out. I know a lot of people are eager to find out when this is over. But as a business owner, as a farm business owner, um, how is this How is this shaping your plans for the future? I definitely um, am going to grow. Like, this has really <laughs> showed me, and I think it's shown my local farmers, that we can we can sell our product locally and that we shouldn't sell ourselves short um and and that we should just produce 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 and um that's my goal um we're buying a bigger farm like during a pandemic i'm buying a huge farm uh in the next county over so that i can have more pigs and sell more meat and make more charcuterie and i think that's probably my biggest goal. I Right now I'm kicking myself for uh, selling a lot of my feeders this last fall to other people that wanted to have feeders on their, on their farms. Um, because if I had those feeders right now, I'd, I'd have more pigs uh, to harvest. So um, I, I feel like I sold myself short a little bit last year. This is great. A, a good news story in the middle of all this bad news. This is, this is wonderful. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> it makes me feel great. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, um, my life has not slowed down. It's actually gotten even busier uh, because of this this uh, COVID-19 thing. Um, and I think a lot of farmers would say that same thing. I would hope um, it does hurt my heart um, to see large farms um, struggling because of their contracts with big slaughterhouses and things like that. It hurts my heart. And I, I hope that they can think outside of the box and, um maybe cut out the middleman right now and, and, and sell straight to their consumer if they can. And our thanks to Carl Schlegel and Amanda Hand for joining us on the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast. My name is Chris Torres, editor of American Agriculturist. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.